You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Man, what a, what a great episode with Mitch Holtus and Chiefs Kingdom. But now it's time for the Trez Paler Show. That's what I'm talking about each and every week, Trez Paler. Usually we're Monday nights, 7 to 8, following Chiefs Kingdom. But because of all these Monday night games, the Chiefs played 30% or 50% of their games on Mondays. They've been Mr. Monday as far as that is concerned. But that is Trez Paler Show. I'm Jay Binkley, produced by Nick Price. Trez, good evening. Hey, Bink. Thanks for having me back all, man. This is great. Looking forward to it, man. How you doing? Oh, this is fun, Therese. And last night, we got treated to just a knockdown, drag him out, smash mouth football game. And I have to be honest with you. I know going to the Super Bowl was special. And I know winning the Super Bowl was special. This might have been my favorite game under the Andy Reid era, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. No, listen, I totally know why you and I have similar football sensibilities, right? And, man, it was great. It was a little wet outside, and this was about power football. This was about lining up, imposing your will, your physicality with the run game. And uh, Andy doesn't always, like, really do that very often. I mean, I think they ran for the most yards with the most carries um, that they ever have under Andy Reid, which says a lot. But, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this later in the show. But, like, if teams are going to give the give the Chiefs these defensive looks, like, they have to do it. And I think this is not the last time we're going to see them really pound the rock like this. Well, they really did, Therese. And you think about Clyde and what he did. I mean, we're talking about the second leading rusher in the NFL now. We're talking about a guy that's second in all-purpose yardage in the NFL. It had only, hasn't always looked pretty with Clyde, but you and I talked about this, and we didn't expect it from rookies coming off the bat. When you miss rookie minicamp and you miss preseason football, listen, I know fans don't like preseason football, but that is so valuable for evaluation of players, and it's also good for rookies, not the veterans, but good for rookies to get out there, you know, kind of shed the nerves playing an NFL stadium and playing an NFL team. Yeah, especially as it relates to kind of getting in a rhythm with your offensive lineman in the run game. You know, I think a lot of times 
well, sometimes guys can get on the field and just immediately like have it. But other times, like you have to kind of get in the rhythm with your offensive linemen, understand the pace they block at, understand like when the holes will start becoming available. And that's just with the running part. I mean, running back reps are really important. I mean, the more reps you get in the NFL at the running back position, the better you are at pass pro um, route adjustments, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, he was one of those guys that, like all these rookies, like they missed not having those reps in OTAs, man. So, and that's not like a slight on Clyde. Like he's a good player. He's going to be a great player. Um, but I, but I think bringing in Le'Veon Bell gives them a chance to, well, again, we'll talk about this later, but he's going to fit into the Damian Williams role. And I just think it makes you a more complete team right now. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, do you think it was kind of a warning sign around the National Football League? And we'll talk more about teams trying to take Mahomes away. Mm -hmm. But do you think it's kind of a warning sign? Like, okay, we can drop six or we can drop seven. We can put six defensive backs and we can have six guys attack the ball carrier like Clyde found yesterday. He's very favorable to Clyde in that game. Or do you think, okay, well, now the Chiefs can run. Now we've got a new problem to look at. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it is a warning sign, you know, and that's I, I wrote a column about this off the game that immediately came to me like, you know, I don't think Clyde Edwards Hilaire has anything to worry about with Le'Veon Bell. I think the rest of the NFL does, because I think by nature of how teams want to try to stop Kansas City, they're going to keep seeing these light boxes. You know, we're going to keep they're going to keep playing that because you can either die by a million paper cuts or you can just get slashed up. So <laughs> they're going to take the paper cut route, which means playing a lot of two deep coverage, playing dropping a lot of seven, a lot of eight men in coverage, only rushing three or four and making the Chiefs put together long drives between the 20s. Right. And then you can start really playing defense inside the 20s and trying to hold them to field goals and all that. Um, yeah. So they're going to continue to see light boxes. They welcome. Team, they welcome the Chiefs running the football. The Chiefs' challenge is to make that a less appealing option. I still firmly believe, like, even if they, they rush like that every week, teams are still going to take that. I mean, Sean McDermott's a really smart, really good defensive coach, and he he chose that course of action, just like Bill Belichick did, just like Gus Bradley did. So, th like, this is what they're going to do here. And um, I think even if the Chiefs keep up at this pace bank, but, you know, you'd rather deal with that than just let let Ty Hill get behind your guys and, and you know, Hardman and, um, you know, Sammy Watkins get behind you. You just can't have that because then you might lose, you know, by 20 points. You might They might put a 40 on you. So, no, we're going to keep seeing it. It's going to continue to be on this offensive line to establish its will at the point of attack. And then it's going to be on the Chiefs' offensive play callers to – put um, their running backs in the best position they can, give them the football, and then let Patrick Mahomes eat off that. Well, they've seen some uh, bright defensive minds with Gus Bradley and Wink Martindale and Bill Belichick yeah. and, of course, McDermott. I mean, they've, they, they've seen some bright minds. We're talking to Trez Paler on the Trez Paler Show. He's a writer for Yahoo Sports, and in my opinion, he's the best football writer in the business. There's a tremendous podcast there as well, but he's got an article on Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, as far as other articles he's written, too, and we'll get into that later. And, Therese, I was talking to Mitch Holtis uh, before the uh, show when he was coming here to do Chiefs Kingdom, and I said Andy Reid, maybe in 10 years, will look back at this season, not only the challenges with COVID, but just the challenges that he's seeing with his offense. 
to be honest with you, I think Andy Reid is having some of his, his best play calling this season than we've ever seen because he's been forced to. And Mahomes, with all the defensive backs taking it, it's, all like, it's like having a Corvette and you have a 45-mile-an-hour speed limit and you can't take it over there. That's why I feel like when I'm watching <laughs> Mahomes, seriously, like they can't take that Ferrari or that Corvette out past 45 miles an hour, so they're winning. And I heard you on the drive talk about, okay, if you want a slow death, that's what the Chiefs will give you. But I feel Andy Reid is getting the best every team has to offer this year. It's one thing mm-hmm. when you're trying to climb the mountain. It's another thing trying to stay there with everybody, using everything they have to take you off of it. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing, too, guys, I'm telling you, they don't call their best stuff every week. OK, um, you know, Andy's got all kinds of adjustments and stuff he'll make. And I mean, you really want to know what the offense is like. Look at that Baltimore game, man. Like Baltimore's defense is good. You know, they're multiple. They got simulated pressures. They bring it from everywhere. And Baltimore was was in a bit of a rock or hard place because they needed to do what the last four teams have done. But they're their defensive identity is in bringing guys and being aggressive and playing some cover zero and playing, you know, man free and that type of stuff. So they chose to be who they are and they got destroyed by it. Um, but they also got destroyed by it because I firmly believe the Chiefs use that as a statement game. You know, um, sometimes, you know, Andy spends some weeks during the game setting up stuff down the line. Right. Um, they don't call out all their best stuff, but when the spotlight is on, you know, you're going to get, you know, shift the Rose Bowl right parade. You know, you're going to get Hungry Pig right. You know, <laughs> you're going to get his, his creative plays, you, but he, but you're not going to get them every week. Um, he's going to save them for when it matters. So, um, you know, Andy is really just a great play caller, and him and Eric have such a – Eric being to me – have such a great, um, you know, chemistry and command of what this offense can do with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Um, I always say, too, though – the uh, most impressive coaching job I've, I've seen, one of the most impressive jobs I've ever seen Andy do was in 2014 when they went 9-7 and seven with, like, no receivers. No receivers in this era of the NFL catching a touchdown pass, and you still go 9-7. and seven. The stuff he had to do to will that offense and that team to win a record was unbelievable, man. So, um, you know, he's a special one, and he, it's fun to watch him coach, and it's fun to watch him call up plays, and, you know, he deserves the benefit of the doubt. And, I, you know, like you, I think, you know, he, he has done a great job this year, um, you know, like really – Figuring out like what you have to do to win this game and then not doing a whole lot more than that because you're gonna you're gonna need those bullets down the line because when you're the Super Bowl champs, you get everybody's best shot. You know, call them blueprints or whatever with, with different teams. And I think it's hard to look at the Chiefs season and think there's a blueprint because we saw a different defensive style and what the Chargers did. There was front uh, front four pressure, and we saw a ton of pressure from Bosa and Tillery and Melvin Ingram. And I felt the Raiders kind of played a little bit like the Chargers did, and I feel like Buffalo was different, and I feel like the Patriots were different than the rest of them because they put six defensive backs, dropped seven. So we've seen different styles, and Buffalo tried to mix and match those against the Chiefs. In my opinion, they tried to take a little bit of the Chargers and Raiders game, a little bit against the Bills, and try to mix it up, and McDermott uh, didn't work for him, obviously. But I felt that's what he was doing. Yeah, they freestyle like they 
they mix it up a little bit, but the general theme is the same. Like they're trying, like when it comes down to it, they're trying to take away the deep ball. And there's like a lot of different ways you can get to that. But like generally, it's going to be the same. Like you're going to rush four, and, you know, in general, you know, you can play a little man with that or you can play zone or you can you can make it look however you want to look. But in general, for the last month or so, like the the the, the base like strategy has been, hey, we're going to keep this in front of us and we're going to make these guys like go the length of the field. Um, and, you know, we're going to keep seeing that. I mean, it, that's the way to do it. Like that, that is what teams think they need to do um, when it really comes down to it. And if you can get pressure with four and you really can, like legitimately, um, you got a chance, you know, you got a chance to give them some problems. But, you know, if you can't, like, good luck. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I, I think in general, like, the the approach is the same, but there's different ways to, like, get there. But, like, they know. Teams know that you cannot let Kansas City get these big plays on you. And sometimes they do it anyway. Like, the Chiefs got some big plays against the Chargers down the field, you know. And, um, you know, they, they can still break it on you, which is why they're so um, difficult to stop. But, um, no, like, I, I do think that there's certainly – a a style of a t of play on defense that has kind of popularized the last month. And now, um, you know, we're, we're going to keep seeing that. And now it's up to the Chiefs to make them pay enough with enough, enough big plays underneath and with a running game that now they got to start committing a few extra defenders to the box, which helps open up the deep stuff. And Patrick Mahomes basically said that last night, too, in his postgame. Well, Therese, uh, we, we saw two tough guys not playing for the Chiefs. With KO going to be down, you and I both appreciate the, his style of play and that aggressive nature that Clutch Simile had. Now, I think Sammy Watkins is that guy as a wide receiver, not afraid to go in and crack linebackers. I, I felt they missed two tough guys. And one thing both of us both appreciate is offensive line play. I found it interesting. You know, Kilgore got the start. I understand Austin Ryder's been showing up on the injury report, but still practicing. Mitch Schwartz has the back and has the leave. Okay, we'll take Rimmers from guard put him at tackle, and put Nick Allegretti in, the former seventh-round pick out of Illinois. And I'll be honest with you, I think he played about as fine of offensive line play as I've oh, seen yeah. this season. I love um, Allegretti's aggression. And I've, you know, I've, I think I've said that before. Like, this guy plays with a bit of an edge, and that that's important. Like, you need one guy that'll give you that, and he certainly does. Um, you know, the the, the – Front office really liked him when they drafted him. He just needed to get developed, and I thought he did play really well yesterday. And um, you know, this was also the sign of a good team. Bank like when you lose starters like this on the offensive line, like you know, they're down uh, Duvernay Tardif, they were down Ryder, they were down Osimile, they were down Schwartz, and they still ran the ball like that. You know, that also speaks to Andy's ability to call plays and concepts that fit like what his guys can do. Right. Um, and also, you know, offensive line coach, getting those guys coached up. So, you know, it, the the best thing about having like a competent coaching staff is that it shows up in like every facet of the game. Um, and, you know, in general, I know I always say like typically when things go wrong, you know, Andy Reid gets them fixed quickly, um, which is a sign of a great coach because that's what the head coach's job is. You're like the chief fixer. Like Your job is to fix problems. And. Bill Belichick typically fixes problems quickly. And certainly since I've been here in Kansas City and Andy Reid's been here for the last eight years, like he gets his problems fixed quickly. And it, it's a sign of understanding your talent and knowing how to adapt what you do offensively to it. Well, Therese, there was two games I marked on my schedule. 
at Baltimore, at Buffalo that I was concerned about at the beginning of the season. Got little W's next to both of them, so very happy about that. We're talking to Trez Paler on the Trez Paler Show. Coming up next, Le'Veon Bell. What does this mean? What does Le'Veon bring to the Chiefs? What does this mean for Clyde Edwards-Alaire? We'll ask Therese next. You're listening to the Therese Paler Show, Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Trez Paler Show. Give Trez a follow at Trez Paler, senior NFL writer, Yahoo Sports. He also is a Hall of Fame voter, which is incredibly, uh, incredibly impressive. It's something I've always wanted to do because you judge people's career. But by the way, uh, we're going to talk about Le'Veon Bell. Trez Paler has an article out on Yahoo Sports about Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and why he shouldn't worry about Le'Veon Bell. Trez, last time we talked about this, Le'Veon Bell was still a member of the New York Jets. Mm -hmm. He comes to Kansas City. I'm not saying that Clyde was inspired because Le'Veon was here in Buffalo. We could say that. I think a little bit of his, you know, the the attention to Patrick Mahomes that did open up running lanes. But it is interesting. I don't think we're going to see 22 personnel with two running backs and two tight ends <laughs> and one receiver, even though that's what I want. But I don't think we're going to see uh-huh. it. But what does Le'Veon mean to the Kansas City Chiefs, and what does this do with Clyde? Yeah, I touched on it a little earlier, so buck, buckle in here for a second. I mean, here's what this is going to do. I, I see him, I see Le'Veon as more of a compliment to Clyde Edwards at E-Lair than a replacement. Like, I, I definitely don't think that's the case. They'll be in a timeshare, and I do think they complement each other, um, particularly in three ways um, where Le'Veon brings something to the table um, where he can help this team. The first is in the red zone. Um you know, again, the Chiefs don't have the most physical offensive line in football, which can make things a little tough in the red zone. That's why they always get really creative down there, right? Um, so Bell is a big dude at 6'2", 25. Um, he's got great vision. And even though I've talked to s- scouts who believe that he's not the same athlete he was, he, he has all his same skills. So the, the hope is that he, he will help them in the red zone, um, both running and catching. The other way that he will obviously help this team is catching the football. He still has his hands. He's a guy who is a great running back safety valve, you know, uh, flat routes, screens, um, that type of deal. But he, he can line up, um, you know, as a slot guy and run a few routes too. So he, he, it allows them to get creative there. And because of his hands, um, and also this, his blocking ability, that's the third thing. Um, Blocking and pass protection is one thing Clyde Edwards Elair is very he's willing to do, right? But he he didn't do a lot of it last year at LSU and it's something that he wants to get better at and he needs to keep getting better at. Both just like in technique and with his eyes, like knowing what to look for. Um, you know, all my years covering this the, the the Chiefs, the running backs always say, like, you know, it takes time going from college to the NFL and doing the things in pass protection the Chiefs ask you to do, right? So um Bell has been in the league eight years. And he's a bigger man and he's a good pass protector. So I see him really having a role on third downs, both in pass protection and in the passing game. And I think that in gotta have it passing situations, he's also a bit of a safer bet just cause you know, he can do those two things and he's a better blocker too. So I think in a way he helps complete the offense, but one very, 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 very critical way that Clyde Edwards Elair um, helps his team and will continue to see the field at a significant rate. It's because of his elusiveness, right? He broke off a 31 yard last night, 31 yard mm-hmm. run last night, Bink. Uh, well, you got to go back to 2016 to find Le'Veon Bell would have run that long. So, um, you know, I, I think 
they do th- they do different things. Like Edwards Elair is the more elusive back, and certainly there are times that is more important than these other things Bell's bringing to the table. But you can say the same thing about Bell with those other times in certain situations. So I think it's a nice um, combination of backs here now. They really balance each other out. And, you know, that's also a position where they're going to take a lot of punishment because I think the Chiefs are going to continue to have to run. So you want to add depth to that position. Bringing this guy into the mix makes a lot of sense to me. You know, he, he, he'll he be motivated. You know, he doesn't, you know, he's obviously um, got everything um, to gain here because he'll be a free agent after the season. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested and excited to see what's going to happen with him, man. And um, I, I'm sure Andy Reid is going to use him, and I'm sure he's excited to try to win a Super Bowl. I watched a lot of LSU last year. They did a, a five protection uh, set for Joe Burrow, and, and Clyde wasn't asked to be part of that very often. You know, the protection yep. for Joe Burrow just wasn't asked, even though the enemy talked about his, his blocking getting better than Andy Reid. But again, when you're mm-hmm. not facing live competition, I think that yep. they can kind of live it. Let me ask you this, Trez, the three attributes of a running back, blocking, catching, and running. If, mm-hmm. In your opinion, those three attributes I just gave you, what would be Andy Reid's order? Oh, just like what he prefers. What would he uh-huh. say, like well, running, blocking, or catching? What would yeah. be Andy Reid's yeah. big three? Yeah, certainly with this offense right now, with Mahomes is blocking number one. Okay. Like, you better be able to protect the quarterback. Like you better, like you better, because you know we you can't let one to five get hurt. Um, no, you know, and then then like. After that, it's like it kind of depends on what you need the guy to do. Like the offense really gets opened up when the guy can make you miss, right? Um, and the elusiveness is important. Like that is important in this offense. But, you know, catching is too, um, maybe to a lesser degree because like we saw them work with like Niall Davis for a while, you know? So, um, I mean, I remember some games where Niall was a feature back due to injury. He was just fine. So um, I, I think it, you know, uh, all those things really do matter, but certainly if you can't protect the quarterback um, in the situations they've put you in, it's going to limit your playing time or at least limit the creativity that Andy can can use with his play calling because now he's got to protect you. And he, I mean, Andy Reid's 62 years old. He doesn't have to be out here coaching anymore. I mean, he's a millionaire. He's got a, you know, a wonderful home. He doesn't need, but he's doing it because it's fun. And you don't want to be the running back limiting Andy Reid's fun because you're not you know, fully picking up blocking. So um, let me let me also add though, like Clyde is a really really willing blocker. You know, like he really wants to get good at it and get better at it. And he will get better at it with time. He will. It's just for right now in this season, Bill is already kind of there. So he just has a chance to help him. And you have Dila McCullough and, of course, Eric Bieniemy, one of the best running back coaches I've ever seen before he turned in oh, yeah. to offensive coordinator. And then Le'Veon Bell to be that mentor I think is huge because it seems like he's got the right attitude. And Trez, I'll say this. Back in 2018, uh, Dan Orlovsky went on NFL Network, and they asked him who the best blocking running back in the NFL is, and he went on and on about Le'Veon Bell and says mm-hmm. a lot of guys that are lead at their positions, and he's Julio Jones and others an example, DeAndre Hopkins. He said he doesn't mind to do it. Like he is a stud running back, and he was at the top of his game at that point, but he doesn't mind sticking his hat in. And I know the big Ben appreciated. it. They only said high football IQ with him. He can see that blitz. He knows where it's coming from. And those mm-hmm. things, I think, will help Clyde. But Le'Veon Bell is an extremely smart football player at identifying uh, pressure from other teams. 
Yeah, that that's the key here. You know, on third and long, like this is a guy you want back there next to Mahomes. He's a big guy. He can he can take the pounding, but he can see it too. He's got that vision. He is a very quality blocker as a as a pass um in pass protection. So, um yeah, I mean, he's really got a chance to help this team. I think it's important that they have him in there and I I think I I put it this way. I'll be paying attention to whether or not they start using different route concepts with Bell in the game, um, just maybe more guys going out in routes just because they trust him, you know? Like, I, I will be paying attention to the route concepts they dial up with Bell as a blocker um, and compare them to some of the ones they were using before Bell got here because that would tell me a lot about um, – that would tell me a lot about how Andy feels about – um, you know, Clyde's blocking, but, but also like that would definitely confirm like, Hey, you know, this is one area that's going to help this team be a little bit more explosive and, you know, things that improve a little bit can matter a whole lot in January. Therese, I've always been a big advocate of the strong locker room and oftentimes I've respected the Steelers and the Patriots because it didn't matter who came in. They always believed in the team, and they set everything else aside, and it was go time. There was no training wheels with those teams. Rookies came in, and it was go time. They could bring anybody to buy in the philosophy. I feel that the Chiefs have gotten to this point. I feel that, you know, they bring in Terrell Suggs. I mean, Terrell Suggs mentored these guys. He's got a notepad, and guys are seeing it. He helped guys with different techniques. It seems like they they bring the right guy in at the right time, and whether it's for Clyde to work on his blocking and have Le'Veon Bell there and his experience, this locker room seems about as tight as I've ever seen. Yeah, and it starts with the leaders. Um, you get here by winning. And then making sure your leaders and most influential guys are happy and that they buy into the system, too. And the Chiefs have got that, right? Like, um, obviously, Andy Reid is the type of coach where players play for, number one. He's got a really good way of, of, of relating to players and getting their best out of them. So that's the number one thing. But you look at this team's captains, right? Um, Mahomes, Tyron Matthew, really the two most alpha guys in the room. They have a special way with people. And their leadership and ability to get people to follow them like really matters. So when you kind of got a triumvirate like that, you can control a locker room and, and make sure that people don't stray off. And there, there are strong personalities that care about the right things in there, man. Like, you know, guys care about winning football games. The football culture in Kansas City is strong because of the coach, but also because of the men they've empowered on the football team to lead the football team, um, which gets players – underneath them on the hierarchy naturally in line when you start seeing issues with a football culture it's because either the coach is not respected bank um and you do hear about stuff like that sometimes or like the leaders aren't happy and they don't really because they haven't been paid or whatever or they're not or the leaders don't buy into the coach for some reason and then it just seeps down because what happens is like underlings look to the leader for like what they can get away with but if the leaders are on point in backing up what the coach says, there's no leeway to like slide away from what they want you to do. You kind of just have to do what the culture says you do. And I think that's been the brilliance of the way they put this team together. And that's also why, you know, Brett Veach really, really went hard after Tyron Matthew. They saw him as a transformational figure last offseason, you know, two offseasons ago, excuse me. Somebody who'd also who not only help on the field, but um, 
could command respect on the defensive side of the ball and lead that way. And he was right. And so everything is in place for them to have that locker room that you talked about. And they have it. And they should continue to have it for a while. You're listening to Trez Paler show and coming up next, I want to talk about quarterbacks. Not only Josh Allen, did his opinion change with Therese. And also want to talk about Drew Locke, the next quarterback the Chiefs will see for the Denver Broncos. Big win in New England this past moment. Plus, don't forget, you can text us, 913-576-7610. If you have a question, Trez and I go around the NFL, the final segment, and we'll get to your questions as well. But coming up next, quarterbacks in the AFC. That's next. You're listening to the Therese Paler Show, Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Therese Paler Show. Therese Paler, NFL senior writer for Yahoo, also a Hall of Fame voter. By the way, Therese, I got two TVs on in here. On one, I'm watching Alabama highlights. I had to flip the channel because of Devontae <laughs> Smith and Jalen Waddle. I yes, want them sir. here in Kansas City. I, I just don't need to see that anymore. And on the other one, I'm watching Clayton Kershaw, who, believe it or not, used to be the center for Matt Stafford in high school. It's rare you see elite pitching talent on that offensive line, but that was Matt Stafford center. Yeah, that's crazy. Think about that, man. Two two amazing talents like that on the same roster. Then, you know, as it relates to the first part, woo, you and I have had some great conversations <laughs> about all the talent at Alabama receiver. And, uh, it's hard to go wrong with Devontae or Jalen. You know, both those guys are going to be great. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they got more coming too. Trust me. they they have. Uh, we'll talk about it at some point, but there's a few other guys on that roster I'd like to talk to, to about. But, but quarterbacks, Josh mm-hmm. Allen. How did your opinion mm-hmm. change maybe about Josh Allen? And then yeah. you look forward to the Kansas City kid, Drew Locke, the Simone Trophy mm-hmm. Warner, uh, who mm-hmm. just, you know what? There's something about him. The guys kind of follow him. They trust him. So they first do. of all, rewind to Josh Allen, your thoughts, and maybe preview what the Chiefs are seeing in Drew Locke, yeah. who goes to New England and wins. All right. here's uh, Okay. So, you know, um, I'll say this. My opinion of Josh Allen's didn't really change you know um I've been a Josh Allen guy for over you know for two years now and I think he is what we thought he was which is still he's pretty raw as it relates to his mechanics and accuracy in certain spots but he's gotten better in both areas and we know that he's a special talent athleticism wise right like he's a big dude who can run and create plays with that and his arm strength um, he has those tools and eventually guys like that typically put it together when they care about the game of football as much as Josh Allen does. And I can attest to that. I've talked to him a few times. It just oozes out of him. Bing. Like, just yeah. trust me. It was, he loves the game of football and guys like that. I trust them to figure it out. Um, I think Buffalo is where we thought they'd be, you know, they're still four and two. That's fine. But like them losing to Tennessee, which I think is a good team and the chiefs, doesn't really change my mind on them a whole lot. Like, I think they're kind of in that second-tier AFC teams, maybe at the bottom of that second tier. Um, and, you know, Josh has about two or three more months to get a little better. Um, the goal for Buffalo should be to win a playoff game. That's an improvement on last year. And they still have a little work to do on this roster. You know, they got a little work to do to be a real contender. But, you know, the biggest jump they can make will come when Josh becomes a better quarterback and he just needs reps to get there. But I, I do think he has a chance to be special. And I do think he, he'll make multiple Pro Bowls and continue to play well um, and get better because he cares about the game of football enough to do so. But, you know, he'll be judged by how they fare in the playoffs and I think that's fair um they were also pretty beat up too let's remember that like they 
they were beat up this week. So and and last week too. So that that matters. Um, as for Drew Locke, um, you're right, man. People there, like his teammates, really like him and they play for him. And <laughs> I can't. Oh, I. There's no way for me to overstate like how unlikely that win was against New England. Did you know entering that game, Bill Belichick was 51 and 16 against quarterbacks under 25 as the Patriots head coach? Didn't know that. That's insane. That's insane. And the the Broncos won without with scoring a touchdown. Like that's crazy, man. <laughs> um so they dropped so, a few yeah, too. I mean, I'll say Albert, Albert O, his tight end from Mizzou, dropped yeah. one from him. It was a surefire yeah. touchdown. <laughs> and it, it, the connection he, he, from Mizzou, I was shocked. <laughs> and you know what? Some of it is some of it is New England's fault. Like they got to get, they didn't practice. You know, I get it, all that. But you know, um, you know, and Drew had a couple picks, but he should have had that touchdown. And he generally does enough to help them win. And he was also a little rusty too. So I think you'll see a better Drew Lock this week. Um, I think he does get up to play the Chiefs um, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, the, the Broncos need to see what they have in him. It's just tough because their offensive line it just kind of stinks, and you know they're kind of beat up too. Um, both in the backfield and in some other spots, you know, no offense. So um, I, I think this is the kind of game where with, with Locke, you'll see what kind of moxie he has, which I think is a lot. But it, but it will be tough for Denver to win this game. Well, like in Missouri, he, he switches offensive coordinators. Not not his fault, it's just the Missouri's last couple of years, two new offensive coordinators. On his second offensive coordinator with Pat Shermer in Denver, is it the right situation, the coach-quarterback combo? Because I do question that. Fangio, you know, great defensive mind. Can he yeah. groom young quarterbacks? That's one concern I've had for Drew. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about it, too. Like, what I've preferred to see Drew go to a situation with more, like, ready-made, like, winning talent around him. Yeah, like, he's in his second year, and that offensive line stinks. So that's not great. Like, that's something they need to address quickly. You know, they got to address that now. Um, so he has a chance in year three, you know. Um, and as far as the head coach goes, yeah, like he's a really, really good defensive head coach. But, you know, he's in year two now and um, they're kind of in the year from hell a little bit with all the injuries they've had. So they're going to get another hot pick. And, you know, I, I will say this. I do like the the skill position talent around him. Like, you know, I like Philip Lindsay. I like Fant. I love Jerry Judy. I love Cortland Sutton. And I think Hamler's good. They have the skill position talent. They do. The number one priority for the Broncos this offseason has got to be solidifying this offensive line. They got to do it just to give Drew a chance to develop. I'm with you. And, Therese, before we take a timeout, let me make the name John Mechie Third. It's Alabama's ah. new guy. Listen, Waddle and Smith catch all the passes, but listen to these numbers. 14 catches, 348 yards, three touchdowns, 24.9 yard average. Just a sophomore. He's over six foot, 195, right behind Waddle and Smith. Keep your eyes on John Mechie. He's just a sophomore. I will. I'm I'm ready, man. (laughs) Uh, As we talk Alabama wide receivers, hopefully we can get one (laughs) at some point. Broncos do with Judy. Uh, I think he's one of the pure best route runners that came out of the draft last year. And Henry Ruggs kind of passed him up because of his speed, and we got to see him on display with the Raiders. Mm -hmm. We're talking to Trez Paler on the Trez Paler Show. Don't forget your comments, 913-576-7610. This is your chance to ask Trez Paler a question, but it's my favorite segment of the week. We go around the NFL next. You're listening to the Therese Paler Show, Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Therese Paler Show, senior writer, NFL, Yahoo Sports. 
Check him out on Twitter, at Therese Paler, the finest NFL writer in the business. Well, Therese, it's time to go around the NFL. Yes, sir. All right, Therese, let's start with the Cleveland Browns. You had a nice story on Yahoo about the Cleveland Browns. Baker hit the bench, but that was not, you know, for a benching. It was because he was getting hit too much. The Steelers second <laughs> the NFL in sacks. What's going on with Baker Mayfield and the Browns? Because I was not expecting that with Pittsburgh, that outcome. I was expecting that outcome, but not that score. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I I wasn't super surprised, man. Like, when I, I got to spend so much time watching these games, man. Pittsburgh's defense is awesome. And I knew with Baker having the rib issue, he'd have to um, throw a little bit, and that might be difficult, especially since they couldn't run the football. And their entire offense is predicated around both the zone and power run. But Pittsburgh, you don't run on Pittsburgh. They were going to take that away, which meant Baker had to throw, and he was hurt. So uh, really it was kind of a no-chance situation <laughs> until they get a little bit better. Also, they were missing Wyatt Teller. They're outstanding right guard. That that trust me, Bink, you will like this guy. Hmm. Um, so so, yeah, I'm actually not that worried about him. I know he needs to get better and slow down a little bit and become more accurate. But we know who he is. He offers a ceiling of a better Kirk Cousins with more moxie. He'll get better in the offense with more reps, and they'll get better when they get all their weapons back. Like, they didn't have Nick Chubb, and they didn't have Wyatt Teller, and Baker was hurt, and Odell Beckham Jr. was ill for most of the week. So they'll be be okay, but um, there aren't a lot of teams that are going to hold in there well against Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's defense is awesome. Well, that's my next question to you with the Steelers. By the way, I like Chase Claypool. Mocked him to the Chiefs a few times. I'm a big fan of those Megatron numbers he had at the Combine. He's no tight end. They want him to be a tight end at the Combine. He's not a tight end. He's faster than a wide receiver. (laughs) You put him right there. But the Steelers' schedule at the Giants, the Broncos, Texans. That's when Bill O'Brien was there. Eagles and Browns. Should we look at at the Steelers' schedule, or is this team legit? I think they're legit, but I think it's okay to be like, eh, who have you beaten? I'm ready to see them face the Ravens in a couple weeks. That's going to tell me a lot. And I think they got the the Titans this week, too. So that's going to tell me a lot, too. But I'm just saying, so far, based on what I've seen, they look like the real deal. But it's okay to be a little cynical about them. Like, they need to beat, like, Baltimore. They need to beat Tennessee. And that'll tell us a lot about who they are. Another uh, team that I love their defense. I love what Chris Ballard has done with that offensive line, taking a team from the most sacks mm-hmm. to the fewest sacks. And I thought Phillip Rivers might be that guy. The, the The Colts are confusing to me. I want to like them, and then they lose to the Jags in week one. <laughs> and they should have lost to the Bengals, but they didn't. So give them credit because they won. And that's what you do in the National Football League. You win. They found a way to win that game. They're four and two this yeah. season. What's your opinion on the Colts? All right, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I, pr- I pretty much know who they are. I'm, I'm good here. Um, I picked them to win this division, but I thought Phillip Rivers would be a little better than he's been. Um, I mean, he looked okay. he looked good on Sunday against the Bengals, but he threw an interception there. I'm just telling you, Bing, reviewing all their games, there are still too many throws. There are too many 50-50 balls, man. Um, this team's identity is that they have to play good defense and that they have to run the football and then you take selective shots with Rivers. Like, they're going to lose in the playoffs because if they lose in the playoffs, which they probably would, it'd be because Rivers has to throw too much and he's throwing passes in the double and triple coverage that he can't make anymore. Will the Jets ever win or will Trevor Lawrence end up with Ooh. the Jets? Will Gase get fired? I know you had you were talking about it on your podcast. Here's my thing with Adam yeah. Gase. 
You know, I don't fire a coach that I believe has the ability to get me to 0-16. You know what I'm saying, Trez? I want that first pick. Why do I want to shake up the apple cart and give the team motivation? I agree, because uh, the only thing that's going to save this team is getting the likes of Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields and then hiring a coach that pit, that you can pair up with them and let those guys grow together. Um, I like, and don't get me wrong, Bing, I like Sam Darnold, but I just think they've done such a poor job building around him. He's about to enter year four there, and there's literally nothing around him worth salvaging beside Jamison Crowder and Mekhi Becton. Like, that's a disgrace. Um, but it's, it's time to make a decision on him, and they don't have an infrastructure around him. So they got, I think they should trade him, and I think they'll at least get a second for him. Um, and if they can get Trevor Lawrence with 1-1, uh, you got a chance. I mean, they got a couple first – they got another first-round pick because of the Jamal Adams trade. So mm-hmm. now you could be looking at, uh, what, two, what, four – picks in the first two rounds you're looking and then you can hire a coach that you can bring in to grow with trevor lawrence like you're looking at a potentially interesting team um next year they're going to be bad again but like legitimately interesting in 2022 and you know maybe buffalo style in 2023 but that's their best that's their fastest road to contention in my opinion I love Trevor Lawrence. The guy only loses in national championship games. It was once. <laughs> uh, Justin Fields, I love. He's the complete package. He's six foot three, mm-hmm. and he loves the game of football. Where would you put That's Trey right. Lance in that category? I know it's short sample size, but he's got the intangibles. Yeah, he he's also a guy. I know he threw some an interception um, in his one game this year, but he didn't throw any last year. I can tell you this, there are people in the league that put him right there with Fields. Okay. So um, I like Fields number two, but I, I do think that's a discussion in the league. Like, hey, do we like Fields or Lance more? And Lance is an interesting cat. He takes care of the ball. He's athletic. Um, you know, he's a winner. Um, he's also somebody that has some scheme versatility that you feel like he could fit in a number of different schemes. Um, I think he's going to end up going very high as well. And, um, you know, I, and I, I mean, look, it, it's going to be buyer's choice here. Like, whatever you kind of want. I mean, I'm going to be honest, Bink. I like all three of those guys a lot, man. So it's just going to come down to, like, what your coaching staff wants. The Miami Dolphins, Therese, they're 3-3 three and three this season. They're in second place. And they mm-hmm. had a resounding victory two weeks ago against the 49ers. Beat the Jets 24-0. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, we saw this with Alex Smith, the grooming of the quarterback, Pat Mahomes, except mm-hmm. it's much different. This team is on a roll in their 3-3 three and three with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he's stepping aside for Tua. And I love the attitude that he had clapping for Tua when he won the game. Is Miami mm-hmm. just trying to figure out what Tua is in some live action? I'm going to throw this at you. I don't think they make this deal unless they think they know what he is. Um, I think he's been impressive in practice, and they think, you know, this is a chance for him to get some critical experience in an offseason where they didn't have reps because of OTAs being canceled. So um, at least the on-field portion of it. So I think they want to see what this guy can do, but I think they've gotten an idea in practice, and they think that he's going to give them – like they think that the gains he'll make just from playing and going through the game plan and studying to be the starter um, over the next two months will help them – be competitive next year in a meaningful way that's why you do this deal i mean that's why you start him right now with fitz playing so well now would i do that i don't know like i I like the concept of sitting him after that devastating injury last year for over a year continuing to let him develop it didn't hurt patrick mahomes so it won't hurt Tua. but i do think brian flores has shown some signs a lot of signs of competency yeah a lot and I do think he deserves the benefit of the doubt on this because you don't hear 
anything bad about his ability to manage people and manage his team. Like he knows what he's doing. I think he deserves that benefit of the doubt. Let's see what happens. He might be a Patriots assistant that works out from our text line. <laughs> uh, it might be 913 All right, Therese, this question's about Aaron Rodgers facing mm-hmm. Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. is a combined 9-9 nine nine against Brady, Russell mm-hmm. Wilson, Drew Brees, and Big Ben. That's a 500 mm-hmm. record against big-time quarterbacks. I was a little bit shocked. Keep in mind, Patrick Mahomes has never lost by a possession. Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. didn't look so hot against Brady. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that question, too. Um, thank you for submitting that. Um, yeah, listen, I, I, I bl- I'm I, going to be honest, though. I'm blaming Mike McCarthy. Um, I, I just... I'm, I'm not. I'm not crazy about him as a coach, and I think he actively hurt um, the lad, the previous six, seven years of his career. So, um, I mean, he takes some responsibility for it, but watching Rodgers do what he's done this year, despite what happened on Sunday, but let me tell you something: Tampa's defense is for real. Like the Bucks' defense is good. This is the kind of defense that'll give a great offense problems in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, but but you know, he, the, what he's done this year is an indication. Like, man. If we could only have seen him in this type of offense five years ago, what would it have been like? So I actually feel bad for Rodgers because I feel like his coaching really hasn't been up to par um, prior to Matt LaFleur coming around. Like, I, I feel like it actively declined from that Super Bowl to Matt LaFleur coming around. Same team is Gronk coming around. He looked winded oh, yeah. the first couple of games where he has to come out of the game after catch, but it looks like that connection with Brady's back. Scored his first touchdown since December 2018. He had a little bit more juice, man. I, th- I think he he looked all right to me. I'm like, okay. He's rounding in the shape here. It's about late October, right on time. You know, Tom's throwing to the tight ends. I'm high on Tampa. I, I think if Tampa gets some breaks, they can go to the Super Bowl. I like I like that football team. And to be honest with you, I think Bruce Arians might have been coach here if Andy Reid didn't say yes. I think the Chiefs. Thought oh, that was around mm-hmm. the same time as Andy Reid. It might have been Bruce Arians, but this has been the Tres Paler Show. You can catch us every Monday, usually 7 to 8. We're on Tuesday because of Monday Night Football. Tres Paler, senior NFL reporter for Yahoo Sports, also a Hall of Fame voter. He hails from Detroit, but he lives here in Kansas City. Thanks a lot, Tres. Hey, appreciate, appreciate you as always, Ben. Had a great time. All right, my friend. Take care. Take care. That's been the Tres Paler Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.